a rich tradition. College Football Podcast is now live. Hello, podcast land, and welcome to a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Steltonpole. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. Robbo, how are you, my friend? Dude, I'm doing great. I uh, went and saw a good movie last night. I got a good night's sleep because my son slept through the entire evening, and Th- and now I just got done beating LSU and with a last-second field goal. In, uh, uh, on the college football game. On the college football game from 2014. You know, I heard a really great suggestion, uh, and it was uh, it was a fellow – I think I think it was a fellow podcaster that I just follow on Twitter. But uh, he made this suggestion, and Big I forget Cat. what his name is. Yes, thank you, Big Cat, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yep. That EA Sports should just disguise a brand-new game as an update for the 14 game. And then, boom, just release it, and it's a brand new game. <laughs> I think that's a fantastic idea. <laughs> I do, too. Uh, and the funny thing is that when he said that, it made me also uh, – that same <clears throat> that same day, I had a conversation with uh, my brother, Corey. And we were talking about how in two, when this game came out this the, in 2013, when this game uh, first released – it was the same year that the PS4 and Xbox One released. So what they should have done, just like what they did with Madden that year, is they should have released this game on both consoles. And and it just would have been a whole lot better. Yeah, and you're right. You would have had more opportunity. And, and I think you said that you, before finding the current copy that you have, had looked online and there were copies that were selling on on eBay or whatever for multiple multiple lots of dollars like all uh, the dollars yeah, yeah all the dollars in the world and so you know if you could if you could have that on Xbox One as well just think of the more dollars that uh, all the dollars could be for for the for the sale of the game yeah man I I mean we may talk about this every single freaking week. But I don't care. I want this game. I want this game on current consoles. Because here's the th- here's a, the the crazy thing, is that this game was made like we talked about in 2000. It came out in 2013. Right. It's it still looks great. It does. Yes. It looks really freaking good. And it plays really well. I mean, there are bugs, but it plays really well. Yes. I I just I I miss it. I miss it very much, and I want. An updated version. And I think a lot of people want an updated version, and it's just it's hilarious to me that some no-named school basketball players are the reason why we may never get this game again. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully, maybe things are there's at least things up in the air, which we should be hearing about. The committee uh, should be bringing down their their findings soon, shouldn't they? Uh, isn't yes, it in it, August yeah, that they? Yeah, it, the the findings should be. Brought up, um, and then in November they will reconvene. They'll meet together and they'll make a decision um, on possible changes. Um, now we have no idea when we'll see said changes, but um, it's still—I mean, it's it's still good to know that they are trying. They're not trying it for this video game. They're they're trying it for the bigger picture, which is hey, let's pay these players. But I will say this. Um, 
I think that this game could uh, because so many because people want it so bad. While it may not have been making a, a a ton of money for EA, which I think it did make good money, but it didn't make a ton of money. I think a, a revisiting this game would in would freaking bring a ton of money to EA or whoever decides to make whoever whoever can jump on the you know jump on that. Um, yeah, yeah, you would have a you'd have a to- a whole total you know we're back kind of campaign. Look at us, here it is, all new features, all this great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think I think you're right. But uh, but anyway, we are not here to talk about a video game. We are actually here to talk about some uh, some football, some college football, especially some talking dealing with college football because that's what we've been dealing hearing about for the past couple weeks is just a lot of talking that has happened at media days. The talking season, as they call it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, media days for SEC for I think. Pac-12 just wrapped up theirs as well. SEC's been done for about a week. Uh, everybody else, I believe, has gotten their media days in. So we've heard a lot. There's a lot to uh, to recap. And uh, where where do you want to start, Robbo? Uh, okay, so we'll se- uh, let's start in the Pac-12 because we can segue um, when we get to the Big. We'll, we'll talk about the Big 12 last, and we'll segue into our to what this week is about, which is picking the Big 12 um, or picking wins for the Big 12. Um, let's start in the Pac-12. There were a lot of things said that have brought, or, or things that you know were done um, that have just brought a lot of speculation about the Big 12 in general. I will say this, and my friend Zach, Zach Anderson, who is a huge Stanford fan, he's a, he lives over there in the West Coast. He is immersed in that in that culture, if you will. Um, <laughs> God, their pack the tw- Pac-12 commissioner sucks. He just sucks, man. Like <laughs> he just does not get he does not get college football. He does not get why people watch college football. He doesn't understand that you need to make it easier for people to watch college football. And the the fact that you know it, it starts off with the whole stupid college football uh, the, the way they are trying to get us to watch college, watch their product. First of all. Um, they, they, they come up with this Pac-12 app, <clears throat> Pac-12 network, or whatever. Then they make it to where you can only get it through like two or three different cable companies. And then if you want to watch Pac-12 network, you have to pay an astronomical n- amount of money to watch that game. And for someone like me who likes to watch every game that is available and probably in a, one way or the other does – I could not watch certain Pac-12 games last year because I refused to pay the the outside subscription to the Pac-12 network. Because let me just be very clear. You're the Pac-12. You have maybe four games on your uh, that you show on your app or your service that I actually want to watch, the big games that I actually want to watch. The rest of the year, what am I going to watch on your network? Why would I spend that money to get a year subscription to your, net, to your, your crap? Like, I'm not going to watch freaking freaking i don't know skydiving i'm not gonna watch whatever the hell that they do on that on that on that network and so just that alone just shows me that he has no idea what he's doing and then i don't know if you have it in front of you spencer but they are making some rule changes this year or rule change considerations for this year they're wanting to the one of the big major things that they're wanting to do uh, experimenting with two or three four games 
this upcoming season, or at least in the future, is a 9 a.m. West Coast game so that those games can be uh, viewed at 12 o'clock here uh, on the West Coast, or on the East Coast, excuse me, you know, when the college football day kicks off, when game day is over with, and, you know, we always have a few games that kick off at 12. Well, the Pac-12 wants some of their games to kick off at that time, and if that's going to happen over here uh, on the East Coast, then they've got to have 9 a.m. starts over in California, and that just, that's me, a lot to ask for the yeah. players and the people putting the games on. For for people who may not understand why this is a big deal, Spencer, like you, you do the radio show for your local college of Valdosta State University, correct? National champions, Valdosta State University, correct? Yes, yes. Four-time national championship. Yeah, Four, yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Just had to throw that out there. Um, so let, well, let me ask. It's, it's important to be accurate. Yeah, I, I, yes, I agree. Um, it's not wouldn't, sh- you, wouldn't you like to say the four-time national championship Georgia I, Bulldog team? You know I what? Mean, uh, no. Absolutely, like I that? would. Absolutely, I would. Um, you know, if only we could get uh, people of power to get their get their facts accurate too. Um, but uh, anyway, so you do these games, and you have to, you know, you have to get there early, obviously, to set up the pregame show. What time? Right. What time would you say you get to the games um, for a game that's at noon? What time do you get there to set up for the pregame? stuff yeah so we've 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 done one o'clock kickoffs and so that means a pregame show for the radio would start at 11 30 and that means 10 o'clock 9 30 that i would get there to start setting up not only our stuff out front for the actual pregame show which happens right outside the main ticket booth at baysmore hyder stadium but then also getting things set up inside the stadium, in the booth, where we actually do uh, the play-by-play broadcast from. So, yes, I mean, you're looking at a 10 o'clock, maybe even 9.30 arrival, and when I'm there, uh, there's already people there from the university, the athletic director, and all of his folks that are setting up tickets and setting up uh, cones and uh, uh, tailgating set areas and yeah, I mean, it's it's a full day. If you're going to start at 9 a.m., that means you're going to be asking players and people who's just set up games to be there at 5 a.m., 4.30 a.m., 4 o'clock a.m. Like, it's that's a that's a lot to ask for. Yeah, and, and, and so this just, like, continues my thought process of this is the worst – this is the worst – commissioner in college football to, to even consider this, to even think that this is a good idea just kind of blows my mind because like, wait, why? Like I understand. Okay. Look, I understand what his argument is. He thinks, you know, Hey, we've got to get the big 12 noticeable. We're not making the playoff because no one's watching our games. Um, first of all, this guy right here does watch your games. Pac 12 after dark, baby. Like that's what I'm about. All right. I love watching the Pac 12. Um, but I understand the premise, but the way you do that is there. I believe there's a balance between having a game ending at freaking 2 or 3 a.m. Eastern time and starting a game 9 a.m. West Coast time. 
Like uh, there's a balance. Like right, yeah. So so why couldn't you just start your games around three a.m. or not? I'm not, not three <laughs> that, a.m. I'm that, sorry, that sounds counterproductive, Spencer. Um, <laughs> three p.m. is yeah. is is of course what I meant, and that way you're giving yourself a kickoff time of what is that twelve o'clock your your time there locally. Yeah. So uh, that sounds a little bit more reasonable uh, to what you're trying to do, which I can't think. Don't they already kick off games at twelve o'clock their time for a three o'clock uh, showing here on on the west uh, on the east coast? That that feels like that should all that should be something that's already being done. The other issue though is like what you're talking about is Pac-12 a- after dark. Everybody wants LSU Alabama at the end of the day. You want that prime time in the evening. The lights are out. It's uh, it's nighttime. Uh, nighttime in Baton Rouge, we all know, can get real crazy. Nighttime in the SEC can just get real crazy. Well, they, of course, in the Pac-12 want that environment as well at Stanford or at USC or wherever. And yeah, can you imagine how hype someone's going to be at freaking 9 a.m.? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I'm, I, and, and the thing is, the, the, to put the players in perspective, because this is what it's, it should be about is the players. The, the, the players are in turn, like, we don't, a lot of people aren't privy to what the players have to go through in the morning before they can go to like before they go to the game like they do a pregame meal they have to get they have to get warmed up in another facility someplace some schools do this to where they have to get stretched they have to get, they have to warm up their bodies not walking on the field and catching passes but they have to actually like get on a bike they have to do some stretches they have to do certain things to where now you're talking about players having to get up at what maybe almost 5 a.m. right to, and and then the way their bodies are probably going to be programmed, like they're going to be freaking hu- very hungry. Like their bodies are going to be wanting food in the middle of those games because they're playing a game at nine a.m. Like yeah, I, I, it, I don't it know. Seems it seems much more problematic. You if if you were going to get that okayed, especially if you were going to try to get that okayed with like a marquee game, Washington versus Oregon or something. Like that means a lot, and those coaches aren't just going to say, "Yeah, let's play at 9 a.m. and and perhaps cost ourselves, uh, you know, a, a position in the standings for not only the Pac-12 championship, but Oregon and Washington are going to be looking to get into the playoff this year, and they already have enough landmines that they have to navigate through, much less a, a 9 a.m. kick. Here's here's what they got to do. They need to. They need to. Allow their look if they want to do if they want to take advantage of a quote unquote network thing like a Pac-12 network. I'm I'm fine with that. Everyone else is doing it. You should do it too. But the the biggest thing that they should do is they should make it accessible to all cable networks. Like and I'm talking about cordless cable as well. Like offer it a PlayStation View, offer it a Directv, offer it a MediaCom. Like offer it to any anybody and everybody. Offer it to YouTube. You know, let YouTube do it as well. But they need to allow they, – they have got to make it more accessible, first of all. Second of all, this is asinine. Don't freaking have 9 a.m. kickoffs. Do 12 a.m. – do 12. That's fine. Do 12 p.m. noon kickoffs and just schedule your games in a way that allows people to watch it. If it, Spencer, here – because I know we need to move on because there's some Chris Peterson um, hypocrisy that I want to talk about. Um, they – the, this problem would be solved. Wa- allowing people to watch their their stuff would be solved if they would just make their 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 games accessible on all networks, on all cable networks, just like the Big Ten, the ACC, and the SEC, and even the Big Twelve. 
everyone knows where to go to watch these channels, to watch these games. And that's just what they need to do. Fair enough. On to, uh, on to Chris Peterson. Chris Peterson, basically, I don't have the direct quote in front of me, but he bashed the, uh, the concept of the transfer rule and said that we need to make these players basically fight through situations to, to work through an effort um, in, in one way or another. That is what he was trying to say. But the irony of that is that he is about to have a starting quarterback who in turn transferred to his school. Because of because of hardships, because he couldn't win the starting job. Yeah, so uh, this kind of kills two birds with one stone because Nick Saban had similar uh, similar comments at SEC Media Days, and it makes a lot more sense. And I wonder if this is maybe what Chris Peterson was maybe trying to say and just didn't say it the way he wanted to, because this makes a lot more sense uh, from Nick Saban that the transfer rules transferring is not the issue especially as long as that comes along with the with the sitting out. This is this is Nick Saban's thought process. Transferring's not an issue as long as it comes with the sitting out and the waiver is where Nick Saban feels like the free agency deal has has come about that anybody can apply for any waiver and especially if you're a marquee player uh, as as we saw this past offseason that applying for the waiver you're you got a good chance at getting it if you're a marquee player. And, of course, the only players that are at Alabama are marquee guys. So uh, that makes a little bit more sense. And the NCAA did a make an attempt to tighten up the rules around uh, the waiver request uh, application or form, however you want to call it. But, uh, yes, it is ironic that he's being assisted with that uh, from Jacob Eason. But at the same time, I almost feel like maybe – uh, I feel like Nick Saban maybe put forth the idea a little bit more clearly and better than what Chris Peterson did because I, I can't imagine Peterson that that's the thought process that maybe he was trying to say more of what Nick Saban was saying than than what it sounded like he was going for. I'm, I'm defending Peterson just a tad. I, I know you are. And, and th- okay, look, what I'm about to say is nothing directed to what you're saying. Okay. Like, I agree with you. He probably was trying to say this, but I think that these, these coaches are, should not be surprised, shocked, or caught off guard by any questions that they are asked. They are not idiots. They know the right, culture. Sure. They, they know what's going on. So we, n- now that you, you're, you're not wrong for defending him, but we shouldn't have to defend these guys. We shouldn't have to say, oh, this is what they really meant. Oh, this is what right. they probably meant. No, they they are grown men who are on a platform. They know they have to speak for their program. They know that they're going to have to answer these very tough questions, or not tough, easy, easy to tough questions. They know what's coming. Nothing should catch them off guard. So we should not have to sit back here and be like the freaking, um, oh, why can I not remember her name? Um, we are not. We should not be like press secretaries here, trying to to say, "Well, this is what they really meant." Like this, that's so stupid to me. Sure. But, no, uh, I agree. Okay, I agree. All right. So let's just. Any, yeah. Anything else from uh from from media days that uh, any quotes? Uh, two things, just really quickly. The the Ryan Day Ryan Day alluding to the fact that um, Justin Fields has not won the job yet. Um, and and he did not say it in some like typical. Well, the, the job ain't going to just be given to him. You know, like, it's, it's, it wasn't like that. It really did sound like Justin Fields has not shown himself to be a starting quarterback yet at, at Ohio State. So, so uh, have you 
You, have you heard audio? Of no, I'm making the comment. No, I've not heard the audio. I've just okay, read okay. a little bit of the transcript. What did you hear the audio? No, no, I haven't. I, I just okay. I didn't know if if the way you worded that it sounded like maybe you had heard the 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 audio. No, it it just the it was just the verbiage in which he said it. Like sure. he, he said, Justin Fields has not done enough to to win the starting job, which um, that, that of course alludes to you know reasons at least reasons that you and I and other Georgia fans maybe followed followed at Athens that maybe was the reason he didn't see the field more while he was with the Bulldogs that there yes. wasn't there there might have been some things that he was a little bit behind on and maybe wasn't catching on to certain parts of the playbook or reading the offense which again playing behind Jake Fromm is difficult knowing knowing that knowing what we know about Jake Fromm and how well he's doing with all of those things it probably made it that much more tougher on Justin but ultimately that hints at what we've already heard while uh, while uh, Fields was in Athens. Yeah, and for, for those that are new listeners, thank you for joining us. Um, yes. Basically, I, I, I am privy, and so is Spencer privy to information behind closed doors, so to speak, that Justin Fields had trouble reading defenses and memorizing the playbook. And the funny thing is, is that he is about to go to, he is going to a school now that has a much tougher playbook than Jim Cheney's. Well, um, it's, it, it's funny because you the way you hear the conversation sometimes is that it's a more friendly offense to his skill set. Yes. Yet that might mean something different when it comes. That that phrasing might not be the same as actually learning like the playbook and then learning how to read defenses and things. Yes, it's more friendly to his skill set. Yes. But does that mean he still is catching on? Between it, the ears, and it's more and it's more friendly in the in terms of once you know where these players are going to be on the field, it's easier to make a quick decision. Yes, like um, because it's just a lot of mesh routes, crossing routes, stuff like that. Anyway, um, I, I, I look, I'm I have been I've said this from day one. I went and saw Justin Fields play in high school. I thought he was awesome. I was skeptical of people thinking that he should be starting at Georgia last year in any capacity because he had never even completed a full season as a starting quarterback in high school. Um, injuries have kept him from that uh, two or three times. And uh, I, knowing what was really going on behind closed doors, like I, I, I just never, I never thought that there was a problem with him not playing as much as he did. With that said, I am glad that he left so he could go and flourish somewhere else because he just, he was not going to get a starting job. He was not going to beat Jake Fromm out. So he was going to end up having to be like a DJ Shockley and playing one season and then trying, I guess, trying to go to the draft. Um, So, but, but anyway, if you don't have anything else, I I wanted to move on to the big 12. No, I I don't have anything else. Uh, Any, any quotes from the big 12 before we get to the actual uh, teams, the biggest hypocrite of them all. Tom Herman. Um, yeah. I'm not I, – I, I, I do not like this guy at all. Uh, okay, so Tom Herman was asked about horns down, the Ugh. whole the, – just such a – Just baby. all on its own is such a weird thing about celebrating. Like, yeah, look, let, let's, do, let's do horns down, and then we'll get to, we'll get to his comments. I'm and, – and I think you and I are both on the same page here. There's a difference between – like belittling and being mean to and uh, you know being inappropriate 
there's a difference between that and like just friendly competition trash talking. Larry Bird, uh, Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins, all of those guys in the NBA, they would be thrown out of the league right now if, if we were going with the mamby-pamby rules. You've got two brothers, I've got two brothers. There's sayings amongst friends all the time about if I'm not picking on you, that means I don't like you. I mean, we're all about teasing each other and getting at each other. And to me, horns down is exactly what that is. It's just good old trash talking in football. Where Where is the trash talking gone to in, in athletics? It's, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous, especially whenever you have your own little symbol or hand gesture that in, encourages bragging. Like right. horns up is a braggadocious concept. It is, well, and, and a lot of teams has them. The, yeah, the Gator Chomp, the 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 FSU Tomahawk Chomp you sold for the Braves. Um, you know, I think I do think that's the other way around. I think I, FSU you know what? It. I'm not giving them any credit for anything. <laughs> all right? That's okay. Ever. That's fair. That's Ever. fair. Um, uh, other than whenever I pick them to do really well in the ACC, um, <laughs> in a couple weeks. Yeah, um, in a couple weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, look, I, I just, I just think there's not. I don't think there's anything wrong with hand gesture. I don't think there's I, like. I think it's just part of the game. I think it's a fun part of the sure. game. And yeah. I think for a coach to come out. And so here's Herman. Herman took a shot at taunting, said it was wrong, horns down is bad, um, just had a huge, huge beef with the concept of taunting. Now, I have no problem with taunting. He's just, he needs to suck it up, buttercup, and, um, and move on. But here's the irony of it. For those that don't know, two years ago, Texas and Missouri played in a bowl game against each other. Yes. Drew Locke. Threw a touchdown pass. It was disgusting. It was a great throw. And he does his little dance where he looks like he's got the hang 10 symbols in both hands and he's just like going across the chest. Whatever. Later on in the game, they I think they sack him or interception or something happens. And Tom Herman, you can see it on TV. You can go on YouTube and watch it. Taunts Drew Locke, a, at the time, like 19 or 20-year-old kid, like he is overzealously taunting him with his own dance. And so fast forward two years to hear Tom Herman now turn like change change his tune completely makes me laugh and it makes me hate Tom Herman even more. <laughs> and so yeah, I just thought it was stupid. Yeah, it is. And I think we both agree and um uh it's silly to it's trash trash talking and ribbing each other and competition is just a part of competition and it can be it you can go over the line yes certainly you can but uh, i don't think horns down is is going over the line and and certainly to a degree i can't blame tom herman for defending his school's thing that this is particularly directed at his school and and you know what their little uh celebration deal is so to a degree he has to kind of uh, put down horns down, but the idea that it's taunting and that it's you know it's disrespectful that that's probably the wrong route to go there, Tom. Yeah. All so right, he's Big a Twelve punk. teams. Yeah, let's let's move on. I mean, we are we're already like thirty minutes in. We gotta we gotta get going. All right, Big, Big Twelve teams. How how many uh, games do you think Kansas is winning this year? <laughs> Three and a half, according to Vegas. I've got them with two wins. And ultimately, uh, I've made a, I've made up a column thing here. I've got wins, losses, and then pushes 
for each team, and I've got no pushes for Kansas. I just don't know where the third win's going to come from if, if they can get to it. I just don't know. I would like to think that just a good coach brings them a level of quality that can get them to four wins. But because I believe that the Big 12 is going to be as competitive as it is this year, which I do, I think that is going to hurt them. And so I, I, I think, I think three, three and a half is probably the perfect number this year. Yeah, so just real quick, Indiana State, Coastal Carolina, this is all in order, at Boston College, West Virginia, at TCU, Oklahoma, off week, at Texas, Texas Tech, Kansas State, off week, at Oklahoma State, at Iowa State, Baylor. It really is tough to see three, three wins in there. Not that it's impossible, but I, it's just maybe Texas Tech, maybe Kansas State is win number three outside of the Indiana State and Coastal Carolina. Yeah, and I think that's what I'm. I think that's what I'm banking on. Like, I think Texas Tech and Kansas State may be more formidable than than we realize, okay. and it, it, I'm not, or they're not. You know, but but what if they are? Then I could see Kansas getting three or four wins. But I'm gonna stick with the. I'm gonna stick with the under for three. If their number's three and a half. Well, and two, you're, you're, you go ahead and write this down because you're on duty for this. Uh, and I'll try to go and find it too, just so I can see it. But the first play from scrimmage for Kansas this season has to be the, <laughs> has to be like the toss sweep to the, uh, you know, to the strong side of the formation, right? With Puka Williams as the running back, which I think he's going to be suspended for the first game. Uh, it should still be that play, correct? I mean, what's the over and under that that is the play or the likelihood that that is uh, that that's the first play for Les Miles at Kansas? Toss sweep, first play of the game is like if you want an easy prop bet, take whatever money you have in savings, take out a mortgage on your home, and just lay the point. Just lay it. He he's gonna he's gonna throw it like that. that that's gonna be the first play is a toss sweep. That's it. Yeah, and so uh, Puka Williams got in trouble over the offseason for some domestic uh, disputes, I believe it was. He's going to be suspended, I believe, for just a game. Last Miles it, did not handle that well either. Go ahead. No, prob- probably not. But in terms of on the field, seven yards per carry last year, 1,100 yards on 161 attempts. You could see that number easily getting up to 250 carries for him in Les Miles' offense, even if he's going to miss a game. They're going to be centered around Puka Williams all season long. Is this uh, Grat junior college transfer quarterback? Is he going to be able to make up any of the space? Do they have the Do they have the talent on the outside to alleviate any sort of pressure on Puka Williams? It's just really difficult to see if that's going to be the case this upcoming season. It's it's kind of Puka Williams or bust for them on offense. Yeah, and I don't I don't expect them to get astronomically better on def I mean on offense what I do expect though is for them to be a lot better on defense yes um and so with that maybe they're more competitive maybe I think I do I strongly believe that Les Miles when this is all said and done will have made Kansas a better program and a better team but I just do not think that this year is that year so no, I, I agree and I just wanted to add this one last thing when you look at their defense there's several 
junior college players that are in the that are in the starting lineup. There's about three of them, and then there's another one junior college on uh, on offenses. There's actually several on offense as well. That seemed to be one of the issues for the several head coaches before that came at Kansas. They were really overloading on junior college players, and then when some of those players didn't pan out, it really kind of hurt the depth. The recruiting just wasn't handled right. I think you and I both feel that Les Miles is brought in to clean up a lot of those things, streamline recruiting in, in a better direction, and then maybe hand off the program to someone else for wins and losses after he's kind of cleaned house a little bit there for, for them from an administrative and a recruiting standpoint. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Uh, so uh, I'm actually going under on the three and a half. Robbie, you're going to the three and a half or under? I'm going to go under as well. I'm, okay. But I'm saying I'm saying three, essentially. Okay. okay, very good. All right, so uh, West Virginia is the uh, the next team. They also have a new head coach this year, lots of new coaches in the Big 12 this year. Neil Brown comes over from Kentucky, the or excuse me, from uh, from Troy. They're over and under, according to Vegas, is uh, is at five. Rob, how do you feel about West Virginia this upcoming season? Not just the schedule, but they lost they lost a lot on offense. Will Greer, Devin Stills, Neil Brown kind of has a an uphill battle here. Yeah, man. West Virginia is a team that is probably going to go from what? Do they win eight or nine ga- eight games last year, right? Yeah, eight and four. Yes, sir. I think that they will take a they they will take a step down, but I don't think it's going to be as big of a step. Let's say as I, I just I don't know how I don't think it's going to be that bad of a drop because I I think Neil Brown is a great coach. Yes. And I, th- I think that helps, and I I just expect him to figure it out in some form or fashion. Now, what's their number at this year? Or for the, uh, yeah, the number is five. Even number is five, and I'm looking at their schedule right now. They've got three three of their first four games. They should they should win. Like I think they should. I should. I think they should beat NC State. Yeah, I got I've got NC State written down as a push, actually. Okay, so, so you and, can and see that's it, just you, me. I, yeah, yeah, I can yeah, see yeah. It going you can either, see either way, way, very close. But then after that, it, it goes back to my belief of the rest of the Big Twelve. They are they. I don't know where. I can't guarantee you any other wins besides maybe Kansas State. And so, with their number being five, I I'm actually going to go the. I'm going to take the under. Because I again I don't I don't know where the wins are going to come from. Even though I I'm speaking positively of Neil Brown, I do not think that this year is going to be indicative of him being a good coach or him being the right fit. I think it has everything to do with the fact that they have lost, um, they have lost a lot of talent. They've lost a what I believe was a pro caliber Heisman candidate type quarterback, and they've just lost and they've lost just studs on at wide receiver as well, and so. You're, you're going up against probably one of the most competitive conferences in the country, if not the most competitive, and I just don't see how they get wins out of it this year. So I'm going to take the under, and I, I'm looking at like four wins. Yeah, I'm going to take the under as well. They they also were kind of nervous about their quarterback position. I think they had to bring in a transfer quarterback as well to West Virginia because Austin Kendall, the other transfer to uh, from Oklahoma, 
who they kind of thought was going to come in and, hey, this is a big win for Neil Brown. And we're going to kind of, we're not going to take as big a step back from Will Greer as we thought we did. But apparently, Austin Kendall has not really separated himself uh, in terms of the competition during spring. So, you know, who are they still at quarterback? I, I still like the, I like the under of five wins. I, I'm not sure I'm not sure I'm that sold on, on just the, the uh, personnel that they have. And then, I think we're really high on the rest of the upper end of the Big 12, too, is where some of this is coming from. Yeah. no, And, and yes, it, it has everything to do with the conference that they are in. Um, so I'm I'm going under. I'm saying four wins. How many you got? Yeah, uh, I've actually just wrote them down for here. Under. So where's one, two? I'll, I'll say yeah, under. Let's do, uh, let's just yeah, do it, under. It, yeah. it's, it's okay. It's all right. I got under. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just uh, fixing the way I'm putting inputting this information now. Very good. All right, next team. Let's go. Uh, Chris Kellman, is that how you say the last name for Kansas State? There, mm-hmm. Chris Kellman. So he he comes in with a resume that looks beautiful, and he's built the resume, uh, kind of having to follow up somebody who had a really impressive resume to begin with. We know that in college football, it's hard to follow legends. He did that at North Dakota State. And did it really well, won something like four national championships there, and now is going to come and take over Kansas State. A lot of people feel like the transition from Bill Snyder to Chris Kelman is is one that should be kind of easy. The systems should be very similar from one to the next. But uh, the Kansas State Wildcats, their number is at five and a half, actually, uh, for the Wildcats. How do you see this? Kansas State team, not necessarily from a schedule standpoint, first and foremost, but just how do you see the personnel? How do you feel about Chris Kellerman? Uh, shoot off on the Wildcats. I <clears throat> I actually feel the exact opposite about Kansas State than I do West Virginia in terms of personnel. Um, I think West I think Kansas State and West Virginia both got great coaches. I loved I loved their coaches' line of. Uh, they were talking. Uh, Les Miles didn't wear his national championship ring to media days, and they were. Uh, it was because he said it was too heavy. And then <laughs> Kilman K- K- always always wants to say Kellerman for some reason. Um, the the coach was asked it was mentioned about it, and he's like, "Well, if I wore all my rings, I'd have to put them on both hands because <laughs> because <laughs> he, he's, he's wore he's wore he's won so many at North Dakota State." Um, I think that this team is. What's their number? Uh, five and a half, dude. Yeah, I'm taking the over. Like, I, I, I just, I think Kansas State has a lot more talent than people realize. I think their, I think their quarterback is going to be your typical quarterback that we know and love. It's going to be this bruiser who can throw adequately well from the from the 15 yards in, and will occasionally throw a big a big pass deep. But I think that I just think their offensive line is going to be really good. I think their wide receivers are decent, and I think their defense is going to be pretty stout. And with that, I I think this and with a new some new blood coming in there, I think we are going to see a revitalized Kansas State and a competitive Kansas State to where I could easily see them getting about seven wins this year. Wowzer! Yeah. So uh, for for their schedule, Nicholas State, Bowling Green at Mississippi State. Off week at Oklahoma State, Baylor, TCU after a bye week, Oklahoma at Kansas, at Texas, West Virginia at Texas Tech, and then finish the year with Iowa State. So you think seven wins are in there. Wow. 
I I'm do. Not... And and that has every it has everything to do with all, the talent already being there. He's not replacing nearly what West Virginia is. Like sure. I mean he's re- he's returning almost his entire defense. And with a revitalized culture, a new mentality, you're coming in and you're like, okay, well now we don't have to no offense, but I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of um Oh my gosh, why can't I not remember Bill Snyder? Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the last five years, Bill <laughs> Snyder. I'm a, I'm a fan of him prior to the last five years. Uh, and if you don't know, if you don't know why, it, it, I, I can have a diatribe at a later time. Just he became he became a, a dictator in the worst kind of way with his program and holding holding Kansas State hostage, forcing them. He basically was trying to force them to hire his son as the head coach. It was just disgusting. I, I did not like it. And then not giving the kids. Not giving players their bowl rings, bowl bowl win, yeah, just just d- dumb stuff. Anyway, I think they are not replacing nearly as much as other teams are. And you come in and look, he's probably going to lose at Mississippi State, but that's because Mississippi State is going to be really great this year. Like they're going to be borderline great this year. They are, and they're playing at Mississippi State. But I think the Oklahoma State game could be a push. I think the Baylor game could be a push. I think TCU could be a game that they win. Um, I'm because I'm I'm not very high on TCU, and then the rest the, they're going to beat Kansas, and I just don't think Texas is going to be this world beater that ever that a lot of people think they are going to be. And so I I just think they're going to be more competitive in games, and I could see them getting seven wins this year. Because look, like we've said before in the past. The wins have to come from somewhere, and if we have two teams in this conference of nine teams already going to be under four wins, that means these wins are going to be coming from somewhere. You know? Sure, sure. No, absolutely. So and that's just my to be, mentality. Yeah, just to be clear, I do have three wins for uh, Kansas State under the win column on my on my chart, and then there's three more games under the push. So technically, there's six potential wins there. So are you taking for, the over, or are you taking the under? I'm going to take the. I'm going to take the under because I think that's kind of where I've been at this entire time. But I understand the where you're coming from. I'm not trying to be ridiculous. State. You know no, that, I, right? No, like I, I, I know that. No, and I don't think it is ridiculous. Obviously, Vegas has them at five and a half, and Vegas is all about the money, so they're not gonna they're not gonna have these lines for you know just any role reason. Unless you're but, in the ACC, where it looks like they've just never watched ACC football before. But we we'll get to that at another time. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to go under for Kansas State. Okay, that's fine. I got you. Let's 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 uh, kick this pig. Let's keep going. Yep, Texas Tech is the next team. They also have a new head coach this upcoming season. There's uh, new coaches all over the place. Matt Wells comes over from Utah State. Uh, mm-hmm. This was a team that under Cliff Kingsbury we thought was going to eventually take a step forward. They just never seemed to be able to do that. Uh, he's I not guess a good luckily. Coach. Okay. <laughs> I guess luckily they kept their head above water, if, if that's the best way you want to say it. They were 5-7 and seven last year. They do return seven offensive starters and six defensive starters, and that includes a pretty good quarterback in Allen Bowman, who was a sophomore last year and threw for uh, 2,600 yards and nearly completed 70% of his passes. Yeah, what's their over-under? I'm, I haven't looked at that. Yeah, yeah over and under. Yeah, now it's six and a half. That's the first time I'm saying it. Six and a half is the over and under for the Red Raiders. I'm taking I'm taking the under here, but that's just because I think they're going to be it's gonna be six and six here. I think they're a bowl team this year. 
And yeah. it goes because I think Bowman is really good. I think their out of conference schedule is kind of a joke. Um, Arizona, even though I, I defend Arizona, I think that Arizona game is a push. Um, I could see them winning it or I could see them losing it. Um, obviously there's only those two options. I don't know why I phrase it that way. Um, <laughs> so I'm sorry for that. Uh, but if they win those three games, let's just say they get those three wins. Then you're, you're looking at having Kansas. You, you're still playing Kansas. You're still playing Kansas state and you're still playing uh, a West Virginia team, you know, so they could get those wins. And, and so I'm, I'm going to take the under, but it's only because I think it's a six and six year. I think they're going bowling this year. And I'm just, I'm just glad the K- Cliff Kingsbury era of Texas Tech is over. So. Yeah, I, I agree there is uh, also about uh, Cliff Kingsbury. I'm kind of glad that experiment's over, and, and hopefully it works out better in the NFL. Maybe that's just it a better won't, fit but there. That's a but, good thought. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm, just, so. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I, he, he may do very well in the NFL because because all all he all people have to do is run his playbook, and the defense can't really even play defense in the NFL anymore. So, I mean – he he's already at an advantage. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I feel like I'm gonna go under here as well, and and not drastic. I'm at, or you? Okay, yeah, yeah, maybe five wins. I just feel like at Arizona, at Oklahoma, at Baylor, at West Virginia, at Texas, at Kansas, that just feels like, and not at Kansas and at West Virginia necessarily, but at Texas, at Baylor, at Oklahoma, at Arizona, feels like. It's going to be hard to get all of those wins or the majority of those wins. So uh, for Texas Tech, I think I'm going to go under. But again, it's very, it's you know, it's close. It's maybe five because I've got a total of yep. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games that are a push. You and I are uh, we're 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 keeping it pretty close together this week, man. We've only yeah. had one difference. Yeah, I think we're I think we're doing okay. Yeah, I think I think we're about to start getting to where I maybe I'm going to start saying over for somebody. Well, we have to because we eventually because eventually someone has to win. These well, that games. was my issue all last week because I kept like I felt like I kept saying over for some of the teams and then I just had to go with under. So I've got it a little better laid out in front of me this go around. All right. Well, let's. What's the next team? Is it OK State? Your your man crushes up oh, next. Oh yeah, buddy. Mike, mm. Mike Gundy and his fifteenth year there at Oklahoma State had a quarterback that turned the ball over a lot last year that maybe led to some of their losses. They were seven and six last year. If they don't turn the ball over, if they pick the right quarterback this year who can just take care of the football, all quarterbacks under my under uh, Mike Gundy look good. They just have to they just have to protect the football. Um, how do you feel about that this season with possibly a, uh, a Drew Brown transfer from Hawaii or Spencer Sanders, a uh, true freshman or redshirt freshman that could be taking over for them? Uh, how do you feel about Oklahoma State this year? Well, I said this whenever we asked our one big question for these teams, and mine was around the, the quarterback situation. I believe in Spencer Sanders. Um, and, it's a good and look, first name. Yes, it is. Um, um, I can't make that joke. Um, anyway, uh, what's their number? Six and a half, according to Vegas. Okay, so let, let, let's just put this in context for, for Oklahoma State last year. They are a, what is it, a two-point conversion away, failed two-point conversion, uh, the ball being thrown in the dirt as opposed to the wide-open wide receiver away from beating Oklahoma last year um, at Oklahoma. Uh, so, like, this team was one failed play away from being an eight 
from winning eight games. Um, and, and I say that in positivity, like that's, that's really awesome. Like that's really cool. Um, and then they turn around the next week and they beat West Virginia, uh, and we'll, but West Virginia ended up being like one of the biggest disappointments of last year. But I'm looking at a team that is returning seven on offense, which is huge for them. And then five on defense, which isn't great. But again, as we all know, the big 12 is not known for its defensive prowess. Um, I think that this is just going to be one of those years where Gundy just makes it work. And I'm taking the over. Um, I'm not, but, but, and you know why I'm taking the over because in the, because I'm looking at his just past, past four, five, past five years, he's had 10, 10, three of the, three of his last five years, he's been double digit wins. And so, and now he's got probably one of the best quarterbacks he's ever had coming in in Spencer Sanders. And as a young talent, I'm picking them to win. I'm going to pick them to win more games this year than lose obviously, and so I'm taking the over. I could easily see this being an eight or nine win year. Yeah, with the 13 interceptions that uh, that that were thrown last year at the quarterback position, they were still able to get themselves to seven wins. If Spencer Sanders can, again, just protect the football, uh, I feel like that's going to be, a, that's going to go a long way as it has before in the past to them, uh, to them doing better. I've got five games under the win column for Oklahoma State and two under the push column I think, yes, I think this could be an, an over for Oklahoma State because Mike Gundy's proven that he can get to 10 wins. Last year was a speed bump, uh, but I'm not really going to go against Mike Gundy that much. So, yes, over for uh, Mike Gundy win and, Bedlam and the Cowboys. This year. I wouldn't be shocked if they won Bedlam this year. Like that's, that's what I'm expecting from this Oklahoma State team. Because, well, the la- okay, look, the last time he had a seven, he won seven games – um, or he did not win double digit wins. It was in 2014 where they won seven and they went seven and six. The following three years, he went 10 and three. And, right. and then he, and then he had seven and six this year. And look, I'm going to, I continue to praise Mike Gundy for what he does because I think he, I think he's one of those coaches in the top five that does so much with so little. And, and if you, and if you don't want to, Believe me in that. Go look and see the resources. Look at the facilities that Oklahoma State has and the talent he's able to recruit in every year. Your critique of him is incredibly valid and fair. He cannot get over the hump and win a game that he's not supposed to win. He just and then and also at the same time he's going to lose a game that he should win. He is the Mark Richt of the Big Twelve. I mean, and, but he's been close against Oklahoma. Just yes, to, to support your thought, uh, these last two years. Yes. He's been close. I think a ten-point loss in seventeen, and then what a three, a one-point loss last season. Yeah, I mean the 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 Oklahoma game in two thousand seventeen is one of the most entertaining football games ever. If you like offense, if you like defense, it's disgusting. But I mean, it it was a video game. The game was literally sixty-two to fifty-two. Like that's absurd. <laughs> but so so, are you taking the over? Or are you taking the under? We, yeah, we I think keep... I'm going to take the over here for. Yeah, uh, there we for, go. For I'm going to call them. I'm going to call them up and let them know. <laughs> okay, so uh, finally, uh, to our second consecutive non-first-year head coach, Matt Rule and the Baylor Bears. This is going to be my next mm. big over. I think here. Yeah, you can go me ahead too, and buddy. Put me down for over for Baylor. Seven and six last year. One of the coolest things that you can read about Matt Rule is why he was at Temple 
they had this slow progression and and then into a really big year uh, in his third season, and he's going into his third year at Baylor, and it looks very much the same. He was uh, 11, 1 and 11 last year, and 7 and 6 this year, and that uh, that trek at Temple, the third year was a 10 plus win season. I'm looking. I don't know if he'll get to ten necessarily, but I'm looking for a definite over for Baylor this year. As uh, Charlie, I believe Brewer is it? Yes, Charlie Brewer, a junior, six foot one, two hundred and ten pounds. He uh, nineteen touchdowns last year, three thousand yards, sixty one percent pass completion. I like. Uh, I like Baylor to go over this year with the sixty second toughest schedule according to Phil Still. Give me ten wins, baby. Woo wee. Yeah, give me ten yep. wins. They do lose Jalen Hurd, their uh, their big wide receiver from last former year. Former Tennessee, but, former, yeah, former but, Tennessee running back. Go ahead. Yep. Uh, Denzel Mims though is also back. He had fifty five catches all of last year and led the team in touchdowns. So the uh, the loss of Hurd shouldn't cost too terribly much as long as one of these young guys. There's he's the really the only significant pass catcher they lose from last year. So there's lots of guys with 20-plus catches that come back. One of those guys should be able, or at least two of those guys, a combination could step up and and uh, and fill in for Hurd as long as Mims kind of takes over the go-to, the go-to uh, stance there. Yeah, man, I, I just think they're in a great, great position to get 10 wins, and a lot of that has to do with their in-conference schedule and their their road games are at Kansas State, at TCU, at Kansas, and at Oklahoma State. And three of those teams, I don't really respect or think that they're going to be very good this year. And so, like, I, I just, I just, I think this is Baylor's year to beat Iowa State of the last two years. Even though I think Iowa State's still going to do really well, I, I, I could easily see Baylor being five, being four and zero. Or I'm sorry, being three and zero, going having Iowa State come to town, and they may get a win there. That's a push game for me. And but but at the same time, I think the the sucky thing is having Oklahoma and Texas back to back weeks in November. But I think I'm telling you right now, I think they take one of those wins. They take one of those games. Yeah, uh, it looks like eight of their top ten tacklers do return, including their top two. Uh, mm-hmm. tacklers from last year they've got a lot of tackles for loss that are returning as well so uh, and they run the ball a lot more than people realize yeah they they had two I don't like how much they carry the ball with Charlie Brewer but hopefully that changes this upcoming season they had three four guys with over 69 carries last year so yes definitely running the ball I'd like to maybe see Charlie Brewer do less of that but that's just me no, I completely agree with you. All right, Matt Rule has forgotten more than I know. Matt Rule, Matt Rule may be one of those guys who who who's in the finalist for Coach of the Year this year. Well, this and year. two and two, Robbie, you could see a lot of these coaches that are in this conference: a Matt Rule, a Matt Campbell, maybe even one or two other guys that could see their name be put on the list for a bigger job if a if a USC yeah. opens up or if, if they uh, go if if they go ten wins like. I, I agree with you. Like he, if they, if he gets ten wins this year, he's probably going to get picked up by somebody next year. Now I don't know who that program is. Maybe it's Michigan because they finally get rid of Jim Harbaugh. But I don't I don't know who that is. But Matt Rule probably isn't going anywhere until a big boy calls. Sure, absolutely. 
All right, so uh, Baylor was the last team. We'll move on to TCU. I believe it was your question that involved Purdy like a rock star. Is that correct? Purdy like a rock star. Yeah, Purdy like, per, no. per, per, like a Brock star. Purdy like that's a Brock for, star. Okay, that's I apologize. For, that's for Iowa State. Okay, yes, Iowa State is next up. Matt Campbell, oh, the I thought head coach. TCU. My bad. No, I was jumping to uh, jumping to Iowa State here. Okay, go ahead. Uh, so Brock Purdy, sophomore was one of just, what was it, four quarterbacks last year that had a double-digit pass uh, yards per attempt uh, for quarterbacks last year was Brock Purdy. He is losing a 1,200-yard running back and a 1,300-yard receiver. That's going to be a big hit. Rob, do you think that's enough to cost them a win or two? They were 8-5 and five last year. The over and under is at 8 for Iowa State. I... I'm going to take – I really like Iowa State this year, but with what they have what they lost at running back, which was probably one of the best running backs in the country that no one talked about and one of the best wide receivers in the country that no one talked about, I have to think that there's going to be some sort of a drop-off. And so you said eight and a half, you said eight. Uh, eight even. I'm going to go push – I think I think they're I think they're an eight win team this year. Um, I, I would not be surprised if they win more, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with with push. Um, and, and and I love I love Brock Purdy. I love Matt Campbell. I love the way they play. They are going to be they they will win. They will beat Texas or Oklahoma this year. I'm I'm predicting that. But I just think you have you have so much talent that was lost on the offense, offensive side of the ball, I need to be proven. You need to show me that you can re- reload that level of talent in just one season. Does that make sense? It does, and and they might be able to because yes. uh, looking at like a projected depth chart, there are some young runners that look like they're poised to step He's up. He's been recruiting a, great. Go ahead, a, I'm sorry. A, a, a Jarrell Brock is the, is the projected starter according to Phil Steele, and he came in as the 18th best Running back. There's also a Brycey Hall, who was the 31st best running back. They've also got some guys that have just been on campus already that uh, that maybe with an opportunity to carry the ball 257 times, like uh, David Montgomery, or have those 257 split up between them. Maybe that works out real well for them. Uh, for them going forward, they do look like they return their entire offensive line. And if you're yes. going to return anything on offense, you need to return the offensive line. I think it's a push also. I've got about six wins uh, noted for them that I think they're definitely going to be able to get this year. And an Oklahoma State, they could definitely win that game. Iowa, they could beat uh, They could beat the, the Hawkeyes they're, this they're year. Gonna beat, they're they're going to beat Iowa. I, okay, so, so there's seven wins according to, to, to what I've got in front of me. Maybe jump up and get Texas. Maybe jump up and get TCU, uh, and, and maybe TCU's a push for them as well. So, or it, it, that's that's how I have it written down here in front of me. So, yes, uh, I think push for uh, eight wins this year is very very likely for Iowa State. Brock Purdy just has to avoid any sort of sophomore slump. Yes, I mean, in a major that, way. I mean, he he has to avoid that and take probably two or three steps forward. Now, if we're if I if we're wrong. Which I, in a kind of way, I hope we are wrong. We could see Brock Purdy have like a Heisman level, like just amazing year. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I don't think I don't think there's going to be an under for this team. I think it is a push to eight, or it is over, and they're like competing for the Big Twelve championship. 
yeah, with Matt Campbell going into his fourth year, I could see that. Eight, mm. eight uh, 16 total starters returning from last year. They've also got 45 returning uh, lettermen, if I'm reading that stat correctly. So, yes, I mean, this this feels like it should be a team that's that's ready to kind of continue last year's momentum of eight and five. Yeah, I agree. All right, who's up next? All right, uh, up next is uh, uh, the other longest tenured coach in uh, one of the longest tenured coaches in, in college football and in the uh, Big 12, Gary Patterson, 19th year at TCU. Rob, this was a team that was riddled. If I, if I remember the number, it's close to like 36 players that missed either all of last year or up to four. I think 20 that missed all of the season and another 16 who missed four or more games. Just riddled. There's... I feel like I'm higher on TCU this year just because of the experience that they have from all those injuries from last year. Because man, that's that's like what the Falcons experienced last year in the NFL on defense. Like that just yeah. feels how do you, how can you do any better than seven and six with that kind of with that kind of uh, you know beat up? Absolutely, absolutely. What's their number? You're the, you're number, the number keeper. So yeah, yeah. Their number for for CBS is seven and a half. And I've got one, two, so, three, four, five, six, seven wins for them on the season that I've who's, written down. Who, who's playing quarterback? Like that's that's my question. That, yes, who, that's who, so. Like for me, I, I don't I don't want to take the under. I'm push I'm pushed to over, but it's at that seven and a half eight win mark because I don't like I trust Gary Patterson to just get it done because that's what the man has done for so long. I mean, and honestly, I, that man is a freaking genius and. Like I, I don't know why more NFL players or teams aren't contacting him to play, be a coordinator of some sort, just because of how well he knows the game. But who is going to play quarterback for them at a good high level? Yeah. That's my concern. Well, and it's a, and brace yourself. It's a, it's a Kansas State transfer in Alex Delton. So, so he can Al- run a Alex- linebacker over, but he can't throw the out route. So hey. that. <laughs> but but Robbie, if it's it. Alex Delton is very close to Alex Dalton. Could he potentially take over, uh, you know, live up to an Alex Dalton-like level there for, uh, for, for TCU? Maybe. The I mean, redheaded wonder. The, the, what, what, what was his nickname? Um, I remember. Oh my gosh. It was some ridiculous name. The something. Oh had to do God. with him being the gender, right? Yes, 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 yes. And now this is going to really bother me. So now I'm going to look it up. But while I'm saying, look, TCU is probably going to win 10 wins this year. They're probably going to have 10 wins. But I don't – I just don't know I, – I can't bank on that. I cannot say that for sure or put my name next to it until I see who their – like what their quarterback's going to be. It's the Red Rifle. How could I forget that amazing name? Yeah. Um, but but that's where I'm at. I, I I think their quarterback play is my is my hindrance for thinking that TCU is going to have another you know nine or ten win season. And so I'm going to go push. But I I am fully aware that it is probably going to be over. Yeah yeah, push is probably the right number for both Iowa State and TCU as well because uh, I just don't know. But I'm let's go over for for TCU. I think over is the right number. It might not be by much. It might just be eight wins, uh, potentially nine wins. But get just like 
Mike Gundy, Gary Patterson does a great job of getting a lot out of a little. And I think this year with all of those players uh, that, you know, that benefited from playing time last year, kind of the experience that they should be coming back with this year is really going to play into their play into their hands. Yeah. And you, and you know what, you're probably right, especially with how, what my belief of, of Texas is for this year and how I don't see them making the run that, you know, some people have picked them to. I could easily see TCU, Iowa State, and even Baylor maybe picking them off. And and TCU just kind of being in the fold by, you know, in the beginning of November for the Big 12 championship. So, yeah. I, but I'm going to stick with a push just because, again, the uncertainty at quarterback really has a, it has me concerned. Sure. And, and that's totally understandable. All right. So Texas is at nine and a half, according to CBS. Tom, or excuse me, according to Vegas, Tom Herman is their head coach. Ten and four last year. There was this whole thing after the win over Georgia that we're back. Yet you look at kind of you look at their schedule, and Rob knows exactly where I'm going with this. You kind of think lost to Maryland. You only beat Kansas State by five points. You just lose narrowly, or you just beat Oklahoma in the regular season 48-45, and that was a big deal. But you squeak past Baylor 23-17. You lose two games in a row, Oklahoma State and West Virginia. There's a weird game against Texas Tech. They never looked dominant last year. They were no, consistently never. inconsistent last year. Even against and, Tulsa. Yeah. Like, yeah I, so I, I think you already mentioned that. I'm sorry, but... No, 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 I, I didn't. I, I, I skipped that one, but you're absolutely right. Only 28-21 win over Tulsa. Like, when is Tom Herman's team going to take that next step forward? And it seems as though Sam Ellinger's shoulder injury that he experienced last year might have been a reason why they didn't take that step forward because he only ran the ball with Ellinger 164 times last year when he probably wanted to run it or could have ran it 364 times with him last year yeah uh, look you you don't is there number nine nine and a half yeah i'm taking the under um you i do not believe in you until you come back and you win double digit wins after only returning eight total players like i just i just don't buy it i you're returning only three players on defense which a defense that was actually fairly fairly good and you're returning only five players on offense. And of those five players, you were losing you, – you're, you and I have had this conversation off air, but I think little Jordan Humphreys mattered so much to this, to this offense way more than people realize. I don't – I'm not looking at stats. I'm, I'm looking at the games that I've watched them play. They relied on him so much on third down. I watched the Baylor game uh, from last year recently, and I, I – I, if, if my math isn't off, like they threw to Jordan Humphreys like eight times of the 12 times they were on third down. Like it, it, it was a ridiculous number. Yeah, and, I would I would like for us to get to a point where we really follow along with targets in college football and we really follow along with like third down targets and third yeah. down receptions. And drops. I think drops need to be yes, considered more yes. too. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I just look out my Tom Herman dislike aside, like I think he's a great coach. I really do. But I, I do not buy this Sam Ellinger for Heisman. Like, I think that's blasphemy that some of these CBS people are coming up with. Well, and, and, and Rob, too, I might step, I might, you know, uh, push a little bit here with Tom Herman being a great coach. 
not that things were perfect and pristine and the cupboard was completely full and stocked all the way to the brim when he got to Texas, but it you could make the argument that he's nowhere you give Gary Patterson or Mike Gundy the teams that he's had, you give them Sam Ellinger and, and some of these running backs and stuff, you give really feel Campbell. Like, give yeah. Matt Campbell that that squad, man. Right. You, and it yes. feels like you know they find yes. a way to to win without just right now, Tom Herman at Houston, fantastic. But Tom Herman right now at Texas, it just hasn't feel like they've separated themselves to the point where you really are confident that Texas is back. Yeah, I, I hate that, first of all. Texas isn't back until they're playing in the playoff, in my opinion. Sure, absolutely. Um, and and even then, like, I, I think we have this faux mentality of Texas in the last 20 years because Matt Brown won a won a national title. And yes, he played for another one in 2008, but like, there's not this, like, I don't, if you go back, like, there's just not this 20 years of, like, dominance here or there with them. Like, no, like, they had Vince Young and they had Colt McCoy. And outside of that, they haven't really been playing for national titles. They haven't even really been in the national title picture. And even though they have probably one of my favorite running backs of all time with Ricky Williams, like, I I just, I, I think. I don't want to use the term overrated, but I just think maybe their accomplishments maybe be may maybe overstated. Um, but but they lost to Maryland the last two years, Robbie. Uh, yes, I'm fully aware. And <laughs> and look, doing what what we just did, going through their schedule, I think they're going to lose to LSU. I think that they may lose Oklahoma State. Like they go on the road for some tough games this year, and playing at TCU. May not be as big a deal, but if I'm wrong about their quarterback situation, it is a really big deal. And then they play Iowa State and at Baylor back-to-back weeks. They're losing one, if not both, those games, and especially or pending everyone's healthy across the board on on both teams. So I'm I'm taking the under. I just I'm I'm not this Texas is back garbage. I don't care. It's not. Real. Yeah, I'm I'm taking the under as well, and it might be at eight wins. It might be at nine wins, but I just don't know if Tom Herman is taking the steps forward and, and really going into year three, we're going to find out. Cause when you look at the projected depth chart, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of guys who are top 15, top 20 at, uh, at he's their definitely positions. recruited. He's definitely yes. recruited very well. So at some point you feel like that's going to pay off. Could that be this year? Maybe it is. Uh, and maybe Robbie and I are both going to be wrong, but just going off of the last two years under Tom Herman, seven and six, and uh, or or are we going into our fourth year? Do I have that correct? Wasn't it's he five just, and it, seven in his first year? And sixteen, yeah, seven and six. Wait, okay. wait, 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 wait. This is his third year here, so he went seven and six, ten and four, and now this year. Okay, I feel like he had been there a, a little bit longer than that, but nonetheless. The steps forward don't feel like what we know that they look. And, and, and I'm a, I'm a circle. If you want to circle a game two to watch, it's at West Virginia on October fifth because that is going to be the biggest trap game because it's the week before the Red, the Red River Shootout. Yep. And and so look, I, I just the 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 elite teams, and we're going to talk about them last in a second. The elite teams of this conference, Texas, Oklahoma, have been doing great. They have been the last couple of years. But I believe that the that there is a comp competitive nature, and these that I built. Uh, let me rephrase this. Let me say it correctly. The teams in this conference who are normally middle or bottom of the pack are now 
in a position where they can compete against Oklahoma and Texas week in and week out. And I just think that that is going to hinder a team specifically that is only returning eight players from last year. I feel you. All right. Yeah, and I, and I also I think and we'll move to the next team. I trust Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch together, even though they haven't. Like I trust what Lincoln Riley can do offensively, and just the slight improvements that are needed on defense. I trust that from Alex Grinch. Todd Orlando has been great at Oklahoma or at Texas, excuse me. But you again, offensively, you just you're not trusting Tom Herman at this very moment the same way you're trusting Lincoln Riley. 100%. And to, to move, take that and to move to Oklahoma, my concern about Oklahoma for this year, and their number I think is 10, right? 10 and a half? Yes, uh, 10 and a half, yes, sir. I, I have to take the under, even though I think they're going to win 10 games, I have to take the under there because I, I don't think they're going 11 and 0 or 12 and, or 11 and 1 and 12 and 0. I just don't, I don't think that's going to happen because of a couple of things. Losing four of your starting offensive linemen, four of your offensive linemen, even though they may have the best center in the country, they're, they lost four of those guys. They lost Orlando Brown. They lost um, – they still have their running back, but they lost their Heisman Trophy candidate or Heisman winning quarterback, and they're, they're replacing him with Jalen Hurts, who, yes, is very good and has played in a lot of big games. And I think, I think Jalen Hurts can be clutch in the moment whenever he needs to be because he's been there and he's been in, in those moments so many times. I just don't think he can put up the numbers that the two quarterbacks before him did. And those numbers were, you know, throwing it deep or throwing it deep for a, for a 60 or 70 yard bomb or all of a sudden just sporadically running up the center of the field for a 75 yard dash to the touchdown, I, to, to the end zone. I don't think he can do I don't think he can do that stuff that Kyler Murray did last year. And those things absolutely had to happen in certain games, specifically the Oklahoma State game or the Baylor game or the Texas game, the first time or the second time they played Texas. All these games, like just going off last year's anecdotal, they needed Kyler Murray's legs and his speed to win him a game. Now, Jalen Hurts can still run, and he is a very good mobile quarterback, but I do not think he is anywhere the passer on the go nor the speedster that Kyler Murray was that hurt defenses so badly last year. So, yeah, yeah I'm sorry. And, and, I, know, I know that was that, long-winded. My bad. No, you're I, all right. Uh, that's kind of the big question for Lincoln Riley, that he's yes. had these two straight Heisman quarterbacks. Can he turn Jalen Hurts in to what lost Jalen the job at Oklahoma? Or at uh, at Alabama, excuse me. That Toa was the better passer, so Toa got to come in. Toa saved the day in the national championship, even though Jalen got an opportunity to to kind of uh, answer that a little a year later. Can they turn? Can Lincoln Riley turn Jalen Hurts into uh, into just a guy who can keep up in a shootout like what you're talking about right now? So he's a guy who can lead you back to a victory over Georgia. Can he can he keep up in a shootout with Oklahoma State and with uh, with potentially Texas and potentially uh, you know one of these other schools? That's going to be the and, and you sorry. talked about the offensive line just to kind of go coincide with keeping up in a shootout. They're the twenty third best or twenty fourth best offensive line according to Phil Still in the for the upcoming season. Twenty fourth best offensive line. Now I think Texas has the best defense. Excuse me. Texas has the best defense of line in the 
uh, in the Big 12, but that's 38th ranked in the country, if I remember reading uh, the stat correctly. So Yeah, and, and, and so also I, j- I just have to mention this as well. Something that really helped Jalen Hurts lead those those victory that that victory last year over Georgia. Hey, look, they won. I'm not going to make excuses for Georgia. That that's for another time. But he had an elite defense to get him a ball to help catch up the, in the scoring. Right. I don't know yeah, if can he, he keep up in the shootout. You're right. Yes, you're right. Can he and, keep up? And that's and that's more or less what I'm what I, what I was getting at. Like I I think whenever the game comes when it comes down to it, like. If he's down a score and he needs a drive, I think he'll make that drive. I don't know if it's 37-37 at the end of the third quarter, if he's going to be able to keep the pace of scoring that many points. Does that make sense? It does. So with that in mind, Alex Grinch is the new defensive coordinator. They gave up 33 points a game last year. In 17, they gave up 27 points a game. Do you think Alex Grinch is worth getting them back to 27 points a game and looking a little bit more like a uh, like a power five kind of defense? What what can Alex Grinch do to assist Jalen Hurts in the way that you're talking and just assist the offense in the way that you're talking where the defense didn't do that last year? Kyler Murray had to win shootouts last year. I think unfortunately they're looking they're looking at another year that we may be seeing like another 33 maybe even 35 points a game against their defense just because of how good of the talent the quarterbacks and the offenses are going to be that they play this year. And 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 because Alex Grinch has not had an opportunity to recruit the type of players that he can on defense to help this number go lower. Does that make sense? Like it does. I, I I think there are going to be times where this defense is going to look a lot better, but I think the lack of talent on defense is going to hurt them in certain games, say the Oklahoma State game or the Baylor game, you know? So so I'm taking the under. Where are you at? Yeah, I feel like since you can't push 10.5, I feel like I'm at 10. I feel like if they drop two, they're going to drop potentially the Iowa State game. They could drop potentially the Oklahoma State game, maybe the Texas game. Uh you know, two of those maybe handful of games they potentially drop this year, uh, because I do agree with your offensive line statement that if you're going to be great, you got to have a good offensive line. You got to have a good defensive line. While while Alex Grinch, I think, will make some pretty big improvements this year. The bottom line is the bottom line. Does it result in wins and losses? And I think ten is the number for for Oklahoma, and uh, the over and under is at ten and a half. So technically, I'm going under. And let me tell you this, and, and then and then we need to go. But if if uh, if they turn around and they do make it to the playoff again, and Jalen Hurts is a baller again, like and he looks like Kyler Murray and and Baker Mayfield, and he's in he's in the conversation for the Heisman, I will never doubt Lincoln Riley again. Yeah, sure. I'm I'm saying that right now. But yeah, he's just going into his third year. You're yeah. absolutely right. But I, I I have to get out of here, man. What about you? Yeah, uh, I'm I'm right around the corner as well. I just wanted to throw one thing at you. Yeah, please. Uh, it feels as though with some of these head coaches that are coming in, with Lincoln Riley making the, the, the hire of Alex Grinch, that potentially the Big 12 might be moving in a direction of being a little bit more of a, of a defensive-oriented, maybe not defensive-oriented, but they're going to be better defensively, it feels like, with some of these new head coaches that are coming in. Yeah, th- I think I think that ultimately may be a benefit for them is that they have a one up on everybody because they've been there. You know, they've been established in, in one 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 way, shape, or form. 
All right. Well, yeah, let's wrap it up here. Rob, uh, thanks for joining us and participating in a rich tradition college football podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and review. He's Robbie. I'm Spencer Van Horn. Two friends, one love. That's college football. You stay classy, podcast land. Podcast land.